Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. I'm not a fight for my life, it's alright Because everything dies, nobody know why What I go do? What you go do when you're feeling like you're falling And you can't find nothing to hold on to? That is Alone by Burna Boy, part of the uh, very, very satisfying soundtrack of the Black Panther Wakanda Forever. We're going to be talking about that today on The Nose. We'll also be talking about Poker Face, but let me tell you who's on The Nose right now. Sean Murray is a stand-up comedian, writer, and the host of the podcast, We Must Kill the Fish Man. No, that is not what his podcast is called. It's called Nobody <laughs> Nobody Asked Sean, S-H-A-W-N is how you spell Sean. Uh, Helder Mira. Uh, is the only white man who is trusted with Vibranian. Uh, he's also a multimedia producer at Trinity College, the co-host of the So Pretentious podcast with Vivian Nabetta and Tracy Wu Fastenberg, who recently returned from the Upper East Side where she had that very expensive surgery to remove the wings from her ankles. And now she's thinking, why did I do that? Uh, a development officer at uh, Connecticut Children's, uh, and uh, that is our panel today. We are indeed going to talk about uh, first Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Uh, let's hear a clip from the movie. Uh, you are going to hear, and I hope I am going to say his name right, although I should get the last name uh, correctly, uh, Tenoch Huerta Mejia uh, as Namor, uh, he of the winged uh, ankles. Uh, Angela Bassett as Ramonda, the queen of Wakanda, and Letitia Wright as Shuri, uh, the Rainy scientific sister of T'Challa, uh, and many other things besides. Uh, here we go. The American military detected vibranium under my nation's domain. I was able to stop them from mining it. But we need Wakanda's help to prevent it from happening again. They use a machine designed by an American scientist. Vibranium only exists here, in Wakanda. Mother, he's covered in it. Your son exposed the power of vibranium to the world. In response, other nations have begun searching the planet for it. His choice has compromised us. I think Wakanda could find the scientists and bring them to me. It is only fair that Wakanda helps to resolve our dilemma. You do not sneak into my country and tell me what is fair. I have more soldiers than this land has blades of grass. And they have incomparable strength. I would hate to come back under different circumstances. It's probably going to come up, but this entire conversation <laughs> takes place in pitch darkness. It's like really hard to see anybody uh, uh, very near the beginning of the movie. All right. So um, obviously this is uh, the first full sequel uh, to the original Black Panther movie. Uh, it uh, takes place obviously without Chadwick Boseman, uh, who died so tragically uh, in between the movies. Uh, so the, this movie deals, uh, I think, pretty extensively 
with grief. Uh, they basically have t- made T'Challa's death uh, and Bozeman's death kind of the same thing in a way. Uh, it's also uh, the one the other thing that you probably need to know, and I probably should have said it before we played the clip, is so vibranium is this this metal, this, this thing that uh, has unbelievable properties that have allowed Wakanda to develop this very, very advanced civilization. Uh, and it, they have been under the impression that they're the only ones who have any of it. It turns out uh, this is right at the beginning of the movie. I'm not wrecking anything. There's somebody else who has it, um, and nobody knew. Uh, all right, so, um, Sean Murray, I'm going to have you get us started. I know you've seen this once in a movie theater with a nine-year-old companion uh, and, and perhaps more times since then. So give us your first, second, and third impressions. Okay, first impression uh... – they should just make no more movies from now on. Like, <laughs> like they should just stop like all the other MCU garbage and just do movies about no more. He's the most compelling screen presence they've had in years. Like, it's it's just like it's not even close. Like, he's I mean, Angela Bassett was great in the movie in terms of like an acting performance, but in terms of like a new character, like with like verve and just energy, like you just want to see him in every scene of the movie. And I think um, this kind of leads into my second thought, which is like it's just such such a shame that uh Chadwick Boseman passed away obviously not just for the movie's purposes but um because we're speaking about the movie I gotta address it in that way um I would love to see them like uh sort of face to face and like facing off throughout the movie because like that's a huge plot point in the comics is like uh Namor invading uh Wakanda and I, I just feel like that's what the movie is missing more than anything it's like they did the best they could without him being there but like you could feel his absence even though i think it was like a valiant effort i think the movie is ultimately pretty good i think um i think he's just missed and i just um uh, i can't remember my third thought was but those are two pretty good ones huh? <laughs> yeah those are very two very good thoughts. we will take two really good thoughts or three average thoughts uh either way and so you certainly have filled the fulfilled your requirements so tracy Wu fastenberg you know one of the questions that always arises from a movie like this a movie that has i think some you know emotional and artistic meat on its bones but it's also very dependent on a comic book source to a certain degree i don't I think I know this is general level of comic book involvement of the other two panelists. It's high. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my guess would be that you, you know, weren't necessarily familiar with Namor butting heads uh, with the Fantastic Four and whatever thoughts he might have had about Sue, Sue Storm. What? Yeah. Who? That would have, would have been my guess. Yeah. So, um, yes, I am not immersed in, in comic books the same way that others are. So I come to these movies um, – pretty much uh, green for for a lot of it, having seen a handful, not everyone in the right sequential order or whatnot. But I really enjoyed this. I think that it worked for me, not knowing all of the backstories and plots and the way it's supposed to go in the comic books. Um, I think they balanced mourning and a new storyline really well, although I think it took a little bit to get there for me. At first, I was like, this is going slow and I'm feeling super sad here. But at the same time, they made me feel sad, right? I felt everything that they were feeling. The performances of, of the female cast at the beginning in particular were ec- excellent. Um, and then once it got going with the rest of the storyline itself, I was engaged. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun. I, I liked Namor. Um, I actually will mention that I really appreciated the fact that even though he seemed to not have much clothing on for a lot of the time, they didn't make that some sort of central part where they were highlighting it a lot where they did possibly with oh i don't know aquaman or or other 
um, superhero, brawny, strong character type of things. And I think they did a good job of making it part of his costume without making it some sort of, you know, trashy hook or something. So um, I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I do want to say, obviously, there's a very, uh, there's a a literally funereal quality uh, to this movie. Uh, I mean, it begins with this really, really beautiful and striking funeral uh, for T'Challa. And there is you know, kind of a gloom uh, that that sits over the movie a lot. But, you know, Tracy, I do also think that they, you know, right away they they committed also to making it entertaining. I mean, well, one thing that I noticed was they had a pretty funny joke and damn near a breaking of the fourth wall joke early on in the movie. I don't know if you picked this up, but... Um, so uh, it turns out that there's somebody at Harvard that they, they have to track down. Uh, and so uh, two of the characters, Shuri, and I forget the name of Danny uh, Guerrero's uh, character. What are, what, what, is it Oye? Okayo. Okayo. Okay. Okay. So they go to Harvard uh, and they're kind of in, you know, they're in sort of civilian dress. They're not dressed real Wakandan and they're both they have, have these really cool sunglasses on and stuff. And they're, and at one point, um, Okaye, Okaye starts to worry that she doesn't look right. Uh, and she says, is my color wrong? And and Shuri says, no, it's Fenty 440. It looks great on you. Uh, <laughs> and now Fenty 440 is, among other things, uh, a Rihanna-endorsed makeup product. And Rihanna, of course, has the Oscar-nominated song off of this movie. And, I mean, that's a pretty funny joke. <laughs> and, and in a way, because Wakanda is so encapsulated, to have a joke like that in, in a way is sort of saying, well, yeah, okay, we're, we're not going to take ourselves 100% seriously. Yes, and I actually did catch that one because I, I do really enjoy her products. So. <laughs> All right. I'm I may very, be the only one on this panel that's really, you know, into that. I'm very anyway. proud of myself for figuring out what that was. <laughs> I am too. Uh, I'm impressed. I didn't have any help. So, but, you know, Helder, this is. You know, we're sort of exploring one of the tensions of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. By the way, this is the last movie in Phase Four. Uh, phase Five is about to begin in February with the new Ant-Man movie. I, I I don't know what you're supposed to do with that information. Nothing would be my advice. But um, but there's a way in which it has to do two different things, right? There has to be sort of fan service people like you who spent you know a fair amount of time with these comic books and have very specific ideas about you know what Namor is going to be like or or any question like that they that group of people cannot be discounted but they want to make a movie that tracy can watch and not sort of feel like oh jesus i i didn't read up enough and maybe talk a little bit about how that worked for you i particularly maybe were there things that you wanted to see in this iteration that you got to see uh for me it was i mean i gotta admit it was a pretty spot on great introduction for name for namor and more. I guess that's how they're pronouncing it in the in the movie. I think most of us always pronounce it Namor. Mm. But um, I mean, to Tracy's point, like with his outfit and his costume, like I said in the emails, like the fact that they that we got a comic accurate uh, rendition of him uh, down to like little wings on his feet, which you know was always the biggest joke about the idea of actually bringing Namor to like to screen like the idea that we're going to get this and it's going to look ridiculous but like ryan coogler and his team really made it look what like authentic and menacing like as sean was saying like he's such a great uh hero uh character because even in the comics he has always been this kind of um you know anti-hero like on the edge of like being a superhero who's always at war with the or not a superhero but more of a, a anti-superhero like he's always 
trying to do his best for his people, but then always at war with uh, and being a villain with against like the Fantastic Four, the X Men, and all. And and just that the X Men, we're actually getting the first introduction of the first Marvel mutant. He's always been considered the first mutant because he was created in the forties, and here we have him. You know, bring that up, describe how he's a mutant and why he's a mutant. And I think they did a fantastic job with that. They retconned it a little bit to give him a, a much more original um, for the screen um, background. And they did an amazing job. We were talking about this off, off mic before, where like the look of the underwater city, um, I'm forgetting how to pronounce it right now. But, the, you know, it's supposed to be Atlantis, but they changed it to make it a Mayan city. And it's so much more beautiful and, and engaging and feels far more real on screen than, say, what was created for the Aquaman movie, where it was just way too CGI, way too, uh, and even this is CGI, but like the Aquaman movie just looked fake. This looks like authentic. It felt really great. And he's just such a great character. And they did. And I, I get what Sean is saying and he's right like it would have been wonderful to see him take on t'challa and chadwick is missed in that regard but i think leticia held her own as did uh as did um queen ramanda like they were just so great like on screen with him and then and taking on that menace right so there's about 12 characters uh, in this movie not counting anderson cooper uh and i mean like 12 characters that you really kind of have to pay attention to um and and that's sort of a lot and so sean if i'm struggling with anything about this movie it is that it feels a little overstuffed uh, and and i have a theory that i sort of stole from a podcast called the big picture um where I, I think what they had was a script uh, about this crisis where it turns out somebody else has vibranium, you know, and Wakanda isn't necessarily cool with that, but also the Western powers and the U.S. in particular are also not really cool about that. And, uh, you know, a, a script probably about alliances and stuff like that. And then Chadwick Boseman died and they had to rewrite the script, probably had to beef up Namor's part uh, a, a little bit. Um, but, you know, after I think maybe one move, one reason this movie is 160 minutes long is it wound up having to do more than it might have set out planning to do. I think the first script was probably their their plan, and it would have been uh, uh, maybe an easier movie to make. But now they suddenly had to inject grief uh, and the missingness of T'Challa into this. And I'm wondering how well you think they, they did at kind of merging those two different ideas. Well, I think you're absolutely right about what, what occurred with the script i think there was uh, ryan coogler was talking about he had a different script in mind and i think it makes perfect sense that they would that would be a perfect way to introduce no more is like the exposing vibranium to the world etc cetera, etc cetera. i think they did a, as good again like i said before i think they did as good a job as they could i think that's my biggest issue with the movie is that like i'd rather it be one or the other but i know you can't do one or the other like you can't just not address the fact that chadwick boseman has passed but also t'challa has passed considering that like he is like the titular character um so i think i would like well i I did a thing on my podcast about this and i i kind of wish like they they focused more on just like wakanda's grief but like i feel like the the biggest issue with this movie for me is that it has to exist within the mcu so they have to do all this stuff they have to have julia julia louis dreyfus (laughs) in here for some reason i love julia louis dreyfus one of the best people to ever be on tv why is she in this movie uh martin freeman why is he in this movie i mean i know why he is because he was in the last movie but like and then like even the Ironheart character works for like the vibranium part of it but it's like she's not essential like I, i feel like i'd rather see a movie about like wakanda grieving over this 
this uh, figure that did, did I do see see a movie about like Shuri going to Howard and joking around with Ironheart? Like it was it was weird. But but again, I think they did as good a job as they could. But they're kind of being pulled in two different directions, and they had to kind of serve both masters. Yeah, I think I think so too. And so I mean, Tracy, you were saying that this movie is basically basically enjoyable for you. It was really really long, so long that it you required two different television sets in order to complete this. Uh, but say a little bit about the length and 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 just the experience of watching it. It definitely was long. Um, I feel like you know we've talked about this many times on the show that there are a lot of movies these days that just feel like they need to have a certain length and then add some more to it. Um, but yes, I did watch it on two separate televisions in about three different sittings because it was just that long. Um, I think, you know, they definitely could have trimmed a lot of it. Um, maybe, maybe towards the beginning, maybe, I mean, in all different parts of it, but I feel like the, the beginning was much slower, um, just in pace, but also maybe some extraneous things that didn't need to be in there. Uh, but overall, I, I think it, it worked. I, would probably watch it again, although I'd probably still sit there and say this is too dang long. Um, but I think that they did need to marry the two. I agree with Sean that it would have probably would have been nice for those who are used to the source material for it to be separated out, and maybe a little more um, authentic to to the comics. But I think they were trying to satisfy two audiences, and for me, it, it worked because I feel like you almost couldn't have one without the other. You can't have the next generation of Black Panther come on unless you are mourning the first. But then again, I don't know what happens in the comics either. So I don't know if Shuri ever becomes the Black Panther. Right. Well, spoiler alert, she does. (laughs) I will, you know, and that's an interesting point, uh, Helder, that one of the things that Marvel seems to be doing is maybe transforming some of their male icons uh, into women. Uh, They did it with Hawkeye too on the television show. I mean, obviously, uh, this is before also the, based in the books. Yeah, um, but uh, obviously this is before the. I mean, Jeremy Renner is another person who probably is not going to be available uh, to be a superhero for quite some time. Um, but for different reasons. For different reasons. But um, <laughs> but but uh, but it was close. <laughs> I think to being the same reason. And and you know, I mean, I think this is that's just sort of an interesting thing, right? One of the things about Black Panther is, uh, and I think somebody said this as we were emailing, you think of all the little kids who went to see the first movie uh, and to see Chadwick Boseman and to see a Marvel hero who looked more like them and, and with whom that they could powerfully uh, identify. Mm-hmm. And the same is true uh, for girls, too. And I, th- I think the more that they do this, I mean, this movie is dominated by its women. Uh, you know, I think a, a very good way and it's maybe part of the transformation of the world of comic books elder that uh you, you probably need to have more women in it if you don't want it to be this kind of stereotypical guy thing i mean you know that goes back to like something stanley talked about a lot which was wanting to make comic books for the people like he wanted people to be able to see themselves in the books and the characters that he created and everyone um down to the point of like you know creating she-hulk not just because she you know partly to keep the 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 trademark on the hulk name so there was that same thing with captain marvel but um this is something that just came up in in the she-hulk tv series that they put out where you know they took actual uh quotes from um from twitter trolls that were going like why is marvel going so woke and being making all these like female versions and giving you know all the powers of like the male into the into the female blah 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 and they 
really had a good time playing with that and and throwing that back in their faces but it's good to see that happening and it's something that's been needing to happen and they're also like i love this story just as for what tracy uh said in the emails which was and just now like the fact that it was such an empowerment for the women of the of wakanda and seeing all those great actresses just really do and so much on screen and with the story that they and script that they were given like they all just were like so powerful in that and it's great to see this transition happening and, and change so i'm for one i'm looking forward to it i would have liked a little bit more just like let us really mourn chadwick um but they i'm glad that they gave us this versus recasting which is uh, a horrible thing that was going out there that people wanted to recast because of their feelings for uh leticia wright but i'm, I'm glad like we got the story we did and, and the way it played out a little too long, but it still worked. All right. We're going to have to stop there just because we're uh, in the middle of a pledge. I will say I watched this last night and then I started rewatching it this morning and I was enjoying it a lot more this morning. I was sort of more relaxed about what was going on. Uh, all right. Let's take a little break. We're going to go out with another uh, piece of music from the really wonderful soundtrack uh, of this movie. And then Kat and I are going to come back and see if we can get you interested in supporting the station. Hello, Cat here. Um, you know what that means? Pledge drive. Here we are trying to uh, get you interested in supporting the station. 1-800-584-2788 is the number to call, or you can go to ctpublic.org slash donate. And now this is the last day of the drive. Um, so all donations in general are matched 50%, and new members and sustainers are matched 100%. Um, and this is uh, being made possible by an anonymous longtime donor in North Granby. So uh, if you... If you uh, donate during this hour, uh, you'll your money will go a lot further. And also, the Colin McEnroe Show mug is discounted to $5 a month this hour only. So, yes, it's pretty so, tempting. Yes, I don't know how anyone could possibly resist that temptation. Right. Um, and we should also say, no roses. We can't do roses anymore. Yeah, well, um, we told them Thursday yeah, we warned you. We warned you. We warned you. So, so yeah, it's 1-800-584-2788, or you go online to ctpublic.org and click the donate button. And I'm really kind of hoping that, that here in this hour, we can really have um, an impressive hour uh, of pledging. If you really do like this show and like some of the things that we get into, and yeah, you don't like it ha like having it interrupted by pledge break, so this is the last uh, time we're going to do that. Uh, we keep them as short as we possibly can. Uh, but uh, I sort of told the pledge Zarina Lee Newton, we're going to have a big Friday from 1 to 2 uh, on the show hour. So don't make a liar out of me. Uh, call 1-800-584-2788. Pledge what you can. Yeah, and if you want the mug, it's $5 a month. Uh, lots of other things uh, that you can get as well. And just keep in mind, your money's going to go so much further uh, if you're um, a regular uh, existing member or something along those lines. I don't know what they're actually called, uh, but your $5 will turn into seven fifty. Uh, 
and if you are a new sustaining member, a new member of any kind, I guess, your $5 turns into $10. So if you've been holding back, waiting to accomplish more with your money, now is the time to do this. 1-800-584-2788. That's the number to call. Nice people there. They'll help you. They'll maybe even help you pick out something you know to get back from us. Or you can go online. Really easy. ctpublic.org. Uh, click the donate button and you can see a panoply, a plethora, a cornucopia of gifts that we could give back to you once you make your pledge. Kat? Yeah, that's right. And if you go online, too, there's just a form that's really easy to, to uh, fill out, which uh, I always appreciate. It's very intuitive. And you get to see, you know, all the, all the to- totes, the mugs, the hats. I think we still have the pine glasses, the pint glasses. That's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, we're trying to make this uh, last hour count. And basically, you have to listen to us for this show and then all things considered. And then guess what? Pledge is over. So let's let's like really push through this Friday afternoon. I know a lot of you all are on your lunch breaks and you're probably sp- overspending money on something that uh, doesn't come to you every day consistently. Right. Like a, like like a coffee or something like that. So think about, sorry, I'm like brain dead right now. <laughs> I have been here, I've like lived here this week. Right. Um, so anyway, call 1-800-584-2788 or go to ctpublic.org slash donate to uh, make pledge today. Right, and we will use some of your money to help get a cat the help she needs. Yes. Uh, which she, I, she's been through a lot during these pledge drives. <laughs> we ask a lot of her. So, yeah, I think, you know, you get the message. I'm, we're not going to string this out any longer than it needs to be. Uh, you get the message. You know what you're supposed to do. So do it, and we're going to be right back. Support for this podcast comes from Hartford HealthCare. Elevating Health is funded by Hartford HealthCare. ECMO is a leading-edge, life-saving treatment for patients with cardiac or respiratory failure. Dr. Jason Gluck, director of the Mechanical Circulatory Support Program and Emergency Cardiac Care at Hartford Hospital, explains what it is. So ECMO stands for extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, outside the body oxygenation of blood. It's a life support technique that's used by highly sophisticated medical systems for patients with severe heart or lung failure. The technique involves removing blood from the body, oxygening it, and then returning it back. ECMO procedures happen in the ICU, but not all hospitals are equipped with the necessary technology and staff. Dr. Gluck describes Hartford Hospital's ECMO Go team. So ECMO is considered when treatments have failed, and in our center, with a special ECMO on the Go team, we'll actually take that technology to their hospital and help them out there if they need to to stabilize the patient and then bring them back to heart for recovery. For more information, go to ctpublic.org slash health. So this weird thing uh, happens in the zeitgeist sometimes where just something starts to get talked about again. Uh, And uh, I swear for the last 12 months, roughly, we've been talking about Colombo. Colombo keeps coming up in conversations. And it's not just on the show. I'm just like all over the place. Uh, And it's sort of weird, right? And so now... (laughs) The final step has been taken. Poker Face is, uh, like Columbo, a how catch them. You always know who did it. Uh, and it's a question of whether they can be caught or not. Uh, this, uh, In this case, uh, in place of Peter Falk's Columbo, uh, we have Natasha Leon uh, as a, a person called Charlie. You're going to meet her in a clip in, in just a couple of seconds. This is available right now on Peacock. Uh, Maya Rudolph is for some reason for some reason an executive producer, uh, and uh, so we're going to be talking about Poker Face. So just to make it clear, these are unlike so much of what's on television these days. These are for the most part self-contained plots. You know, there's a little bit of a through line that runs uh, across the series, but. Um, 
not, you know. Anyway, this is directed by Ryan Johnson, who directed one of my favorite movies, Brick, and then has done nothing but annoy me ever since. I don't like those foghorn leghorn mystery things with uh, with Daniel Craig. Uh, but let's hear a little bit of Charlie, the protagonist in Poker Face. Holding an ace of spades. Six of hearts. Ten of spades. You're not reading the cards. How could I read the cards? You're reading me. It's not like it's one thing, like my eye twitches or something. Nah. It's just a general. Yeah. You can just tell. Just that something is off. That's the best way to describe it. I could just tell. When anyone is lying, 100% of the time, how can you not see that this is a it's a gift? You've been graced with a gift. If you do not use this, it's criminal. I'm not firing you. I'm giving you an opportunity to work with me, to use your gift, to get very, very rich. I've been rich. Yeah? How was it? Easier than being broke. Harder than doing just fine. All right. If you recognize the other voice, that's Adrian uh, um, Adrian Brody. He plays this casino owner who's inherited a casino from his father into his casino, working at his casino. It turns out is this person who's kind of famous in the casino world because she has this unusual ability to spot a bluff, unfailingly spot a bluff. He's texting her. Uh, he's testing her with those cards, uh, um, claiming they're one thing, if perhaps they're another, and she is showing exactly how well her BS detector works. Um, this turns into a thing where she's got to take it on the lam, uh, and she goes from place to place, and for some reason or other, everywhere she goes, somebody gets killed. Um, so... Not, not an unusual convention in this, in this type of series. So, uh, Tracy Wu Fastenberg, I've been talking too much. Say a little bit about how this is working for you. So first, I got to say, I, I didn't watch a whole lot of Columbo. So all of these sort of like alignments that everybody else saw in this, I did not see. Um, I, I liked it. And I will say that as much as I respect Natasha Leona as an actor, I have never actually really enjoyed watching her but i really enjoyed watching her in this i feel like she was just the perfect balance of everything in in this character um i liked the fact that you know you have just a different formula um as far as how she gets integrated into things um i really appreciated the fact that in all the characters there's diversity without making the characters themselves all about their diversity Right. So you've got Hong Chao, who's Vietnamese, but her character's not Vietnamese. You've got um, Megan Suri, who's South Asian, but her character's not South Asian. And they integrated it in places that I probably wouldn't expect there to be more than like one or two folks of color, um, because the places that Natasha Leon goes are, are not very metropolitan. Um, they're kind of podunky also. Um, and I just like the way that things are delivered. It's got something that keeps you captivated. It's got humor. Um, the soundtrack is great. Um, and seeing different stars that you've known your entire life in different kinds of roles, like Judith Light doing her business and saying, my crevices have crevices, just really tickled me in all the right places. 
Right. Um, by the way, just a few weeks ago, we talked about the menu in which both Hong Chow and Judith Light appear, uh, which is sort of weird because that's the one that Ryan Johnson didn't direct. It's very confusing. Um, but uh, And I will also say, Tracy, the kind of under... I, I don't know if they knew that Hong Chow was going to really kind of break out. She breaks out big in the menu. She's got an Oscar nomination now for The Whale. She's really not in that episode enough, although one of the conventions of this kind of series is you get big stars and they could be in the whole thing, or they just could be there for a, a few minutes, depending on what they're supposed to do. And it was so fun to see them too, and not all recognize all of them right away either. I didn't recognize Chloe Sevigny as right away either. Yeah, Chloe Sevigny is somebody that I would absolutely recognize uh, under, any, I think, almost any circumstances. So, Helder, <laughs> you know, I, I think another thing about this type of series is you don't have to take it terribly seriously. And and it doesn't make sense even to ask the kind of penetrating questions that, say, Marvel nerds might ask about an MCU thing or something like that. I mean, for example, Chloe Sevigny plays the leader of supposedly this kind of metal band. Uh, I mean, they're, they're supposed to be, you know, so- something along the lines of, of metal. Uh, although part of the plot includes them getting this brand new breakout hit that's going to revive their career. And it, it sounds it sounds like, like it's by Bell and Sebastian or something. It doesn't sound anything like a metal sound, but they're, they're really, really excited about it. But you, those are the kinds of things you're really not supposed to ask questions about, right? This is just candy that you eat a bag of. Oh, totally. It's, I mean, much like Columbo, like you're just along for the ride and enjoying it every uh, one more thing that you get. And as every raspy little observation she makes about what's going on, like she's so great in it. It's it's great. And plus, I also love like John Darnielle from uh, The yes. Mountain Goats is in, <laughs> is in that episode in that band. And they're just kind of like the worst band ever. Um, but that's a particular great episode because you get to see what i love about what they've been doing in this show is you get this like little chunk that's very columbo-esque where you see how it's how the murder unfolds and you get to meet a little bit of the victim uh, along with our killers and how that all interacts and then boom flash back to after the murder occurs we flash back to a day or two before and you see how charlie comes into the into the scene and all the you start picking up little clues and notes along with her and you kind of watch her unravel everything just you know like colombo and peter falk would do so so well uh, on screen it's it's a lot of fun to watch all of that unfold and it's just uh it's great that you after the first episode everything else kind of like you can just watch as you want you don't have to watch them all in order uh to really get it and i also again love the uh the fact that it's kind of this fugitive slash Incredible Hulk style, like, you know, different town per week and then watching them sort of get involved in that little space for a moment. Right. There is a kind of a flashback to lots of other series from the 60s. I'm thinking there was one with Ben Gazzara called Run for Your Life. Is that what it's called? And one with Christopher George called The Untouchables. And even the original David Jansen, The Fugitive, a lot of it was town to town getting involved in uh, remarkably similar situations in each place. And Sean, another part of this, we've already mentioned a few, you know, fairly decent sized stars. And there are just a lot of people who have to take Ryan Johnson's phone calls. And that turns out to include Ellen Barkin, Luis Guzman, Jamila Jamil from uh, The Good Place, Tim Meadows, Tim Blake Nelson, lots of other people named Tim, Rhea Perlman, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who was the star of Brick, Cherry Jones, Nick Nolte. All of those are still to come. And it is sort of fun watching people, you know, do it's sort of it feels like low stakes in some ways. They're just there to entertain us for once. But what was your overall reaction? Uh, 
Well, I'm going to get to your question, but first, I, I'm just, I love Brick just as much as you do, and it hurts me that you don't like Knives Out or anything he's done since Brick, but <laughs> I'll address the question I'm that you asked. I'm with you, Sean. He's, he's insane, but this is why we love him. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I, I love, I love Ryan Johnson using the, uh, the catapult uh, that Star Wars gave his career to be able to make stuff like this. Like, even the Knives Out movies that you don't enjoy. Uh, he's like, he can get anybody he wants to be on screen, and they love to do it because I think, whether or not you like those movies, I think you can at least say that he's trying to have fun with them, oh, and yeah. that's what I, I appreciate about his uh, his career over the last few years, is that he's like, like, this show doesn't have to be important, and I think that's one of the issues that people have had with, like, Knives Out or Glass Onion is that they, like, they're like not saying you, Colin, but some people are saying like, "Oh, this is like this is just this is not that big a deal." But it's like I don't think he intends for it to be that big a deal. I think it's a bigger deal that big a deal because he's got the the talent around it and he's got the push like from the studio and like Netflix to make it a big deal and like NBC to make Poker Face a big deal. But I love that he's just able to get like like Lil Rel just come be my show. You know what I mean? Wh- whoever I want, just come do this because like I it's like kind of an old Hollywood thing going on. Yeah, I think in a way it is a big deal, though. It's a big deal if this works as well as it appears to. You know, it does. It may sort of mean that more money gets steered into this, that you can you can do it and not have it be highly repetitious, just repetitious enough to be fun and comforting. I think there are people who are maxing out a little bit on trying to keep track from week to week on what's going on in slow horses and what happened last week and do I need to watch last week's episode again and stuff. There's something very relaxing about this. Television didn't used to be so hard to do, you know, as a, as a watcher. And I feel like the execs all over the business are probably watching this thing right now going, you know, we could be, you know, everything old could become new again. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, it's part of the reason why like so many uh, even as much as like Netflix, HBO Max, whatever, whatever stream service you want to name, like makes these big plays for like prestige and all that stuff. They most of what they put out is reality TV or game shows or like you know competition shows, baking shows because like that is the stuff. It's very like easy to do. And people will eat it up all day. Like I, I know so many people who just watch. There's so many baking. Show- I love baking shows. There's too many. You know, it is way too many on every network. Um, because it's like it's just it's easy and fun. People don't like. I, I love all the prestige stuff. I love The Last of Us. I love uh, w- you name it. You know, I watch I watch them all. But like, yeah, sometimes it's just nice to just like turn on the TV and like not have to like. Does this matter? Who's this character going to show up next week? Is who who's this? Is this yeah? Just. I just want to watch something fun. Right. It's sort of, um, Tracy, also, I, I know everybody connected with today's show was trying to figure out, how am I going to get on Peacock? Um, because nobody had it. And it's sort of, I, I picture Ryan Johnson and Natasha Leone going into the Peacock offices to pitch it. And there's like a hole in the carpet, you know, and some of the furniture's got kind of nicks and stuff on it. And, uh, but the truth is, they already have the most watched scripted television show in America with Yellowstone. Paramount Plus made some huge mistake and allowed that to walk across the street away from them. And now they've got this. And and I think I, I just wanted to say to you, Tracy, I'm sort of with you on Leon. I tried to watch Russian Doll and I just there's something about her level in that that I just thought I can't stay with this. This is I'm not going to do it. Uh, but here I'm just knocked out by she's just a really fun hang. Right. You just want to hang with Charlie. Hell yeah. I definitely want to have a beer with her or, you know, one of those fruity cherry alcoholic drinks that she was drinking in one of the episodes just and just sort of 
shoot the crap with her and just see, you know, just see what comes out of her mouth too and whatever, go along as an adventure, be the dog. Actually, I kind of want to be the dog and just hang out with her. Um, that is not a spoiler. It's just, there's a really great dog in one of the episodes. Um, but I, I think that she's more likable and relatable here, even though she still kind of has that hot mess thing that seems to be a part of a lot of her characters um, and that sort of brashness. Uh, but it was just really enjoyable to watch her and be like, yeah, I could hang out with somebody like that. And I kind of want to. Yeah, I was actually sorry to see that the dog didn't leave with her. Um, I, I thought the dog was going to be her sidekick. Uh, Could have been a just, logical, logistical complication, like in other episodes. But you the, know, the dog had found- other uh, dog had other projects it was working. I was attached. Atta- I think it is. Uh, <laughs> I think it is attached to a future Star Wars movie. So that it was working be. on a Paramount thing, and then it had a mustache. You had to shave the mustache to be in this one. But then it <laughs> that's probably actually true. Pants wants you all to know that everything uh, with Columbo, including like some of his, you know, chest X and stuff like that. They're all on Peacock. Everything about Colombo, pilot movies, everything, it's all on Peacock. And this is... It's obituary. It's obituary. I just... To actually do... I actually went and did a deep dive after the first couple of episodes of Poker Face because I needed that fix. And it's just amazing how much it borrows and uh, pays homage Poker Face does to the Colombo uh, oeuvre, I guess. Yeah, although... Uh, Helder, one thing... like, just having all those like great like guest stars that they would have. Right. The first Columbo had Gene Barry uh, as sort of the guy you knew was guilty all the way through. Um, yep. And the Helder, the one thing I don't want her to do, which she's done, was either in episode three or four, she really started to lapse into an impersonation. A little bit of the head shaking, one more thing, you know, yeah. I got one more thing. I don't want that. I want this to be like Columbo. I want this to remind me of Columbo, but I don't want it to be a Columbo impersonation. Your thoughts? Um, I also agree. Like it's it's great when she you can kind of almost tell it's going there, but she holds it back or like you know she doesn't go straight out and do a one more thing. But there's always a little variation. But she's also borrowing a lot from um, an interview I just heard, where she's doing a bit of a Elliot Gould as Philip Marlowe in *Almonds uh, ah. Long Goodbye*. Uh, you know, getting that schlubby kind of detective who's mumbling a little bit and always on edge. Um, I think she's doing a great job of that. And she's borrowing from a great writer, a favorite of mine, John Fonte, in that like uh, Bukowski-esque uh, down, down on her, you know, last uh, nickel type of situation, trying to get by and having to pay back uh, the potential victims that she ends up uh, meeting by working for them, like she does in a few of those. She also um, looks great. She, in, she looks great in a trucker cap too. Uh, oh, she does. Yeah. yeah, I think she should borrow one of Judah Freelander's trucker caps from uh, from Thirty Rock, and that'll be like another uh, little weird show business callback. All right, we have to stop there because we have to have time to do a whole bunch of other things. Uh, but the series is Poker Face. It's on Peacock. You can get Peacock. You'll have fun on Peacock. <laughs> That's actually their slogan for this season. You'll have fun on Peacock. <laughs> Seriously, well, you will.
We are back, and thank you to Kat Pastor, our technical producer, and thanks to Jonathan McPants for producing this particular episode uh, of our panel. I do want to say that Sean Murray, if you're enjoying him today, we plan on having him back next week to talk about The Last of Us, uh, the uh, fungus zombie um, series on HBO Max. So uh, it's time for the panel to make some recommendations. Tracy Wu Fastenberg, why don't you kick things off? I mean, first, of course, I have to endorse making sure you make your pledge to WNPR during Pledge Drive. Um, but I'm going to recommend uh, Ginny and Georgia on Netflix. It's in season two, and don't judge it by its name. Um, but it is kind of a, a a great show that seems rooted in teenagerhood, but it's it's much deeper than that. It deals with a lot of complex issues in really poignant and, and appropriate ways while still having moments of humor. Um, and season one was fun. I think season two kind of really finds a, a depth um, that it, it didn't have in season one. Um, and it may not appeal to everyone, but if you like anything that has to do with parenting, mother-child relationships, or even um, murder mystery type of things, it, it's a good time. All right. Sean Murray, you have the conch shell. I would like to recommend um, first since I'm going to talk about The Last of Us next week, uh, The Last of Us video game is uh, maybe the best video game anyone's ever played. Certainly one of my favorites. Um, just play that. PlayStation. Uh, and then also, Colson Whitehead's first novel I've read that very recently called The Intuitionist. It's about an elevator inspector. And it sounds very boring. It's actually one of the most creative books uh, I've read in a long time. So check that out. All right. Uh, and Helder Mira, uh, recommend a thing or two to us. Uh, so one of the things I'm going to recommend is uh, the first film by Charles Burnett from uh, 1977. Uh, it's Killer of Sheep. It's going to be showing at um, Cine Studio here in Hartford, but it's also available online. Um, it's beautifully shot in black and white. It examines the black Los Angeles ghetto of Watts in the mid-70s through the eyes of Stan, a sensitive dreamer who is growing detached and numb from the psychic toll of working at a slaughterhouse. Um, it's a beautiful little, like poem poem of, of this period in in history there in watts and it just beautifully shot and told by uh, charles burnett who does not get enough um accolades for the work that he's done for in film so highly recommend that and then uh keeping with black panther uh ta-nehisi coates and roxanne gay both put out some really great series uh of the black panther where you get the wakanda forever title from and you get a few of the characters that show up in the movie um, appeared first in those two series. So I recommend those. All right. Uh, I'll, I will actually recommend The Long Goodbye, the Robert Altman version, which stars uh, Elliot Gold, has an amazing Jim Bouton cameo uh, in it and has like Nina Van Pallant and who else? Sterling Hayden and people like that. It's really terrific uh, in a very Altman-y, L.A. kind of way. Um, I also want to say, it's an if you're listening to us on Friday, it's a very, very cold day today and it's going to be even colder tomorrow. And I do want to really sort of, first of all, endorse bundling up. But I also... I kind of endorse going out like, you know, my dog and I, we went to the top of a hill where there's an incredible wind uh, a couple of hours ago. I can't tell you where it is because it's the only other place they have vibranium. It's actually the third vibranium site in America. Uh, but we went there and we I had glove liners on and then heavy gloves and sock liners and socks and, you know, I mean, thermal underwear and stuff. 
And it's wonderful just to be out in the breeze and the sun and it's crazy weather and it's really cold. But if you do it right, you wear the right hat and layer up and stuff like that, you know, have the experience. You live in New England, you know, there's no point in not confronting it. So I, I endorse going outside if you are properly dressed. All right. We got to say goodbye. Although Kat and I are coming back in just a couple of seconds here to see if we can get you interested in pledging during our hour. Talk about everything as a matter about Torrington, Vernon, Danbury, Waterbury, Oliveberry, Woodbury, hitting on New Britain, Vernon, I already said that one, Avon, Farmington. I can't believe some people don't have Peacock. <laughs> That's well, crazy to me. They have every season of Below Deck on there. <laughs> you got to get it. I uh, yeah, that's the Star, Star Trek thing, right? Though, but the sort of no, you know, no. This is about uh, the people who work on yachts. Okay, living in close quarters. But lots of sexy singles working on yachts. <laughs> there is a Star Trek thing with a name kind of like that, though, right? Yeah, I think the, it's called the... Star Trek Below Deck. Okay. I don't know. You'd have to ask Mercy Quay. Right. So um, I also want to say that I didn't say it during the discussion because I don't know what it would mean. But actually, the Latasha Leone character, in, a, in some very good ways, reminds me of you. You know, oh. it was sort of a little bit like what I would picture. I've never hung out with you, but I think it, it sort of would be like hanging out with you or being hanging out with Charlie it would be kind of similar. So I think you're going to like... Uh, a poker face. If yeah, no, it. I've definitely been thinking about watching uh, watching it. So, uh, yeah, all right, knows. all right, back so, to business. Yeah, one eight hundred five eight four two seven eight eight. That's business. I'm trying to have us have a really good hour here. Uh, just to, I don't know why to impress management. I, I don't know. Some needy part of me wants to do this. No, I do too. It's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> so one eight hundred five eight four two seven eight eight. That's the number to call. Make a pledge. Uh, as we're telling you, a wonderful uh, anonymous donor in North Granby has made it possible for us to double your pledge if you are a new member, a new sustainer, whatever, uh, or to enhance your pledge by fifty percent if you are. Uh, just uh, pledging w- once again. But either way, your money's going to go a lot further. Uh, this is the very, very tail end of our pledge drive, and we're hoping y- you'll jump in and do something for us. Kat? Yeah, um, that's right. So as Colin said, you could call 1-800-584-2788, where I've heard there's nice people on the other end of the line to um, assist you with that, but I can't be sure because I don't like calling. I'm not a big caller. So what I would do is go on ctpublic.org slash donate, and there you can see like a comprehensive uh, list of the uh, thank you gifts that we have, which, you know, hats, totes, mugs, uh, and a lot more, actually. Uh, So go check that out. Um, You could either be a one-time donor or monthly sustainer, which means that the money is just taken out of your... um, bank account every month off your credit card every month whatever whichever way uh pleases you and then we know that we can rely on that money so it's really good for us um so again 1-800-584-2788 or ctpublic.org slash donate cat's too busy uh, solving murders at truck stops uh, uh-huh. and uh, among hard rock band participants uh in order to and she can't be waiting on the phone and talking to people. Although you don't have to wait. They'll talk to you right away. They're wonderful people. 1-800-584-2788. And yes, the Colin McEnroe Show mug, if that's a thing you feel like you want in your life, it is available for a little bit less than usual. It's, I think, usually a $6 a month pledge. Now it's a $5 a month pledge. That's right. The sale doesn't come around often, so definitely take advantage of that. Strike while the iron is hot, (laughs) or or the mug in this case is hot. So uh, it's 1-800-584-2788. 1-800-584-2788. Or go online to ctpublic.org. We thank everybody who